Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. <laughs> Welcome to Burning What's up, guys? This is a very, very special episode of Burning in Hell. This isn't, you know, just a random person I found on Instagram or um, someone that I watch on a random TV show that I, I want to figure out. This is one of my home girls. This is one of my home slices. This bitch I've known since like day one at actually at Betches. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Elise Morales in hell. Woo! Welcome, Elise. Oh, How are you doing? Oh, my God. And it's a thrill to be in hell. <laughs> <laughs> We've we've lived in hell together. Um, Elise, I've actually never told this to you. Or maybe I have and I just forgot, but I feel like you've actually you were a very big inspiration to me, I think, in the beginning of my like me realizing I wanted to get into more creative performing in my career. Because we were like seventh, eighth, ninth hires at Betches mm-hmm. or, or you're, you were like earlier, like fifth or sixth. And we got seated. We got seated. Mm-hmm. We sat. <laughs> <laughs> we were seated. So we did not learn about grammar when working at Betches, but we were, we sat across from each other. And I just remember you were so smart, so funny. You, she does, she, and she currently does still, which is incredible. The Betches SUP, which is the news site for Betches. She does writing, emails. You'll get into it more. But I would always, we'd have our little water cooler talk Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, what are you up to tonight? And you'd always be like, oh, I have like this stand up gig. And then I'd be like, what are you up to tonight? And you'd be like, oh, I'm doing this show that I wrote at like UCB. I'd be like, what are you up to tonight? And you're like, oh, like I'm, I'm working on this improv thing. And I was just like, first I thought I was like, where'd you find the time? But then I was like, oh my God, this stuff sounds so fun. And then I remember you wrote a show about the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. What was it called? It was called, um, the. The heir of Kardashian Manor, uh, and it was about them inheriting a haunted house. It was so spectacularly done, and we went. And the fact that you'd written it, you casted everyone, you like made it this huge entertaining show, and I was just like, wow, she seems so fulfilled on like a work level during the day, and then creatively at night, or sometimes during the day. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes. Occasionally with, during with the, the day. Up, with the betcha up, with the betcha up, and I was just like, I, I realize now how inspired I was by like your creativity and your just like hustle to be like I can make money during the day and then I could do like real comedy stuff at night. That's very very nice of you to say, and I mean I think personally I've been inspired by seeing if we're just gonna kick this off by saying nice <laughs> things about each other. I've just been inspired by seeing like your rise and the way that you said like you know what I'm gonna do a podcast I'm gonna do stand-up I'm gonna be on a reality show maybe some people will say I can't do all of those three things fuck all those people I'm gonna do them like each one of those things is gonna stand alone as a cool different part of my life like 
Well, just look you, at us now. Look at us now, but you really were part of it. But I pulled up your website, wow. and you are one of the few comedians that actually have an updated website. <laughs> I, I which is truly, truly the most impressive thing about you at this point. So Elise Morales, heiress, billionaire, billionaires, is kind of what she's known for. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a comedy writer and performer. She's currently the writer of the Betches Up newsletter, which is amazing. Everyone has to subscribe. Co-host of Betches Up podcast. You've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. You had an original show called the roast of your teenage self that has now been picked up um and is its own podcast i actually was one of your episodes which i was so honored to be on Mm -hmm. such a good episode too oh my god we delved into it deep you were like i just want to know what you were your braces were like and i'm like i was at a tennis academy and i was so traumatized (laughs) and you're like okay bitch yeah, you were like, so I actually fun. did a Title IX complaint against my school and I was in the newspaper and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what the hell? I was like, I became a feminist. So yeah, the roast of your teenage self, check out that podcast and my episode in particular. Mm-hmm. But even more exciting, you've appeared in so many shows such as Difficult People, which I remember, um, Late Night with Seth Meyers, mm-hmm. The Chris Gethard Show, and you are the voice of AOC on Showtime's Our Cartoon President. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, and those those guys actually produce a new cartoon that I've been doing voices on called Tuning Out the News, which is on CBS All Access which is a daily news show that they like edit and they like animate within 24 hours and we interview real people as cartoons. It's been really, really fun. That is so incredible. Did you ever think that your voice would be so kind of wanted in the entertainment industry? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I uh, you're I made, a hot commodity now. I know, and I made uh, I made the feminist choice long ago to have vocal fry. <laughs> and um, as a podcaster, many people have come to me, begged me to stop <laughs> speaking, <laughs> to stop speaking this way. And now the joke's on them because nobody's paying them to say anything. <laughs> And okay, you are not the worst for vocal fry I've no. heard. And also, just because you have vocal fry does not mean you're a full idiot. No. It just means that it's your aesthetic mm-hmm. for your voice. It just means that I am a young woman in this world. I will say that because for the rest of your teenage self, we always release a YouTube version so people can see the photos that we're talking about and stuff. And I did see a comment on the YouTube version that was like, this podcast is great, but am I the only person who hears Bart Simpson when Elise talks? And now I hear Bart Simpson when I talk. And I think that that person was right, is the thing. So you could take that one of two ways. You could be like, I hate myself, or my voice is iconic, iconic. as one of the greatest cartoons ever made. Yeah, and like, if I'm being honest, like, when I walk into a room, I'm usually like, What's up, dude? <laughs> it's usually me. So I'm like, hey, man, what's going Maybe on? <laughs> you've actually feel more understood than you ever had ever. Yeah, I was like, you know what? That's not wrong. So I also think it's super empowering as a female comedian where everything is like, or just a female in general, a lot is about our looks that like your voice is going to get you paid mm-hmm. indefinitely. Yeah. And I can look like whatever that I can look like ass every day. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I show up to these records, I don't have pants on, I look absurd, (laughs) but it doesn't matter because half the time you record under like a blanket, so they don't even, they've got no idea. 
That's the, incredible. The Do you are you enjoying doing voiceover work? I love it. I love it. I think it's so much fun. Um, I find it really freeing. I feel like I can go further with my performances and like my acting for some reason like not having to worry about what my face is doing and like mm-hmm. just concentrating on my voice I'm able to have so much fun Ooh, that sounds so exciting and I want to start off with kind of how I think you got a lot of momentum in comedy which was this show yes you are a self-starter <laughs> this bitch is a self-starter she was hustling at betches got on full time at first you were just freelancing mm-hmm. but you just did a good ass job that's like then they just do a good job and you go a long way and I think the roast of your 15 year old self was this show that like you had really no support with but as it just got great feedback over and over again I think it made moves but I want to talk why did you want so bad to roast your 15 year old self and you have such a passion for it like you've been <laughs> doing it for so many years so the thing okay There are two things that spawned the creation of the roast of your 15-year-old self, now teenage self, but the original show was called Roast of Your 15-Year-Old Self. So, number one thing is that um, I was dating this fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) This dude who, like, I, it was was one of those ones where I was obsessed with him. Mm -hmm. Obsessed. And it's the classic story. I'm 22. And he could do nothing wrong. He's 30. <laughs> I, I, he, I'm extremely hot. The hottest I've ever been. He's a potato. Like, it's, but at the time, you didn't know it was the hottest you've ever been. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I had no idea. And I'm like, and this guy's good at improv. And I'm like, oh my god, he's my husband. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I am fully obsessed with this absolute, just like plaid t-shirt, nothing of a dude. Like, so, so boring. Such a boring man. But I'm obsessed with him. In love. And he is lukewarm about me. I mean, he, we, he likes having sex. Mm-hmm. He he loves having sex. We both agree that we really I love how you just you didn't even say with me. You just said love sex <laughs> in general. Sex. <laughs> in general. And guess what? No one else is having sex with him. I'm the only person who's confused herself to the degree that I'm having sex with him. So like, what were your friends saying? At first, my friends were like, "Yeah, he's cool, whatever." And by the end, my friends were like. Because this was a thing that went on, on again, off again for so long that by the end, my friends were like, we actually refuse to speak with you on the subject of this man any longer. <laughs> and if you are going to continue to do this, you we don't want to talk. We can't hear about it anymore. That's that's when you know it's actually the worst point when your friends are like, I'm not here for you anymore with that (laughs) they're like i'm literally not even gonna tell you to break up with him anymore i just don't ever as long as we don't yeah as long as you don't talk about him we like we don't give a fuck yeah i just don't ever want to hear from him again but this was like at the beginning and um he and i were always now i look back on it and i see what was going on which was that um I was better at comedy than him and was clearly going to be more successful than him. And so he he couldn't be in a relationship with me for that reason because he didn't have, like, 
but you in your head were probably putting him on this pedestal yes. being like he's so awesome like why would he ever have any negative like I just want to be in his space yes and I'm being like oh my god I just want us to be a comedy couple together like power um, couple exactly Brad and Angelina exactly but I didn't realize that the power was really only on one side of the couple <laughs> so um so anyway, he broke up with me one of the many times that we broke up. And so it was like a very on and off thing. Very on and off. And I think I honestly, and this is so sad. It's so sad to think that the relationship actually continued on beyond this and, and that I I tried to get him back after this. But he broke up with me to concentrate on <laughs> his advanced improv class that he had, <laughs> he had just gotten into because he was like, listen, we're going to have a lot of shows and, like, I just really need to be focused um, <laughs> on my improv class. Not even a team or a, show, <laughs> a class that he needed to take. And I was like, I was like, honestly, I get it. I'm heartbroken, but, like, I get it. So <laughs> <laughs> you're like, one day when you make it big, you're going to remember me that I was the one who gave you that yeah. time to Let excel. you take Abra Tabak's advanced movement <laughs> improv class. <laughs> It was it was dance based. Did it he have a day based. job? His day job was editing videos for a school district. Okay. Or something. Okay. Okay. So it was steady, but it wasn't. It was steady, him. and that was his thing. Was like he made videos, and I didn't have like the I didn't know how to edit videos or have any equipment. So I thought yeah. it was like extremely cool that he made videos. Yeah. Um. Little did I know, later we would be collaborating. Yeah, I showed up at Betches not really knowing how to make comedy or videos, but it happened. And you can just do it. It's actually, you can just Google it and learn. <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, he makes videos. Use Google. You can make videos for yourself as well. <laughs> anyway, I was. So, I remember the day so distinctly. I was like literally sad, crying in my bedroom, being like, oh my God, this guy, this 30-year-old man doesn't love me. What am I going to do to make him love me? And then I just so happened at this time to stumble upon, I was like going through my Facebook or something, like sadly scrolling, um, looking at my Facebook, trying to see what my Facebook looks like from the eyes of another. Like, have you? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like now that you're single being like, what would people see yeah, me like, as okay, now that I'm he, not part of him? Like if he comes onto my page, like what is the, like what am I giving What out? is my identity? What is the vibe people are getting? Like the first three photos, what kind of energy am I giving off? Exactly. So I'm doing that, and then I found this old album that I had uploaded in, like, 2007 when um, I made the switch from MySpace to Facebook, which was a huge switch to me because we'll get into it, but I was an emo kid, and MySpace was my domain. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace was where I really... I mean, even to this day, I don't think I've ever been as successful on a platform as I was on my <laughs> I had an incredible I'm laughing so hard because I fucking loved MySpace. I learned code. Learned yeah. code so that I could make my MySpace look crazy. Don't remember any of it now. Zero. But I did know it then. So <laughs> I had, I guess in 2007, I had uploaded all my old MySpace photos into this album to make sure that I had them. For Which is so smart because the money I would give to see my MySpace profile from when I was like 11. Oh, 
so I I found these pictures and they are the perfect encapsulation of the MySpace era. I did the emo like the harsh cut bang and then yep. blonde in the front. Yep. I had that. I had like purple hair. I would edit the photos doing like the duck face. <laughs> um, sometimes they would just say like rawr on them and have like a little robot and I'm like mm, like with the little peace sign. You had like attitude. Yes. And I found them and I posted this status that was like, if I did a show called The Roast of Your 15-Year-Old Self, like who would want to do it? Because I just had this idea seeing the photos. I was like, oh, I really want to do something funny with these photos. It got like a huge response. And then I basically crafted this plan. And this is one of many truly insane plans that I crafted to try to... (laughs) mess with this man like like if he wasn't gonna love me i was like you you might not love me but you're gonna have to hear my fucking name buddy and so (laughs) i just think of the lady gaga quote she's like you will hear my voice everywhere you go every bodega yes it's it's crazy for me to think about but that actually spurred so much of my like early creativity was funneled into trying to like be in this dude's feed so (laughs) I was like, I'm going to host this show. It got such a big response that I was like, I'm going to host this huge show. And um, and I'm going to get all this attention and he's going to have to pay attention to me because now I'm going to have the show and he's going to have to want to be on my show. So and little did you know that it probably made him hate you more because he hated himself. Oh, it absolutely did. It, like, <laughs> it absolutely alienated us even further apart. He did not want to be dating someone who was having success in comedy. He wanted to be dating someone who would suck his dick and watch his videos. And be like, that class is so impressive. And I was doing those things, but I was also having success in comedy. And so he yeah. could not, like, it couldn't compete. He wanted to be with someone who he could be like, you don't understand the like the intensity of this class and like it's all kind of above your head. Yeah. And like I just like be there for me. Yeah. I, yes. And and I didn't get that. I thought like I was like, no, if I impress him with how good I am at comedy, he's definitely going to want to be my boyfriend. And it's like he it, you are drive <laughs> You couldn't be driving him further away. So I started doing the show then, and it was just in the back of this bar, and it just started getting more and more successful. I did eventually book him on the show, and by the time it was time for him to do the show, he had cheated on me. So so I I kicked him off the show. Oh, so you were, like, kind of together for a sec? We were always kind of together, and then not together, and then finally... Oh, so you told him, get the fuck off the show. Yeah, finally, at the very end... I think that this, yes, okay, so finally at the very end, um, I didn't hear from him from a couple of days, and I was like, <laughs> that's odd, I haven't heard from him, and then I, I go on um, Facebook.com, and I, <laughs> and I see that he's, he's at a cabin in the woods with this other girl, and they're oh, making so he, a video. Oh, uh, say, it was work, it was work related. I don't think they're making a video. <laughs> Or if they make a video, I don't think that's the only, I don't think that's the only thing that's going on there. And so that's how, that is how it ended. And then um, in a radical act of revenge, I threw an enormous New Year's party. Because this was like right around New Year's. And there were like two, there was like a UCB party to go to. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then there was no other party. And I was like, if I go to the UCB party, I'm going to have to see him and the girl, and I don't want to do that. So mm. I threw an alternative party that ended up becoming like like sort of the surpassing party. the UCB party. The place to be. Yeah. And I basically did it to be like, everyone's allowed to come except you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For listeners, UCB is like where people go to then get on SNL. Like UCB is the top tier yes. improv school. It, it kind of doesn't. It's. In a weird like, way now. Right now, it doesn't exist. Pandemic <laughs> times, it's different. But at this time, when I moved to New York, my understanding of how to do comedy, there are, like, different tracks you can go. You could be, yes. like, if you want to really hit the stand-up track super hard, you can start doing clubs and doing all that stuff. But I had done improv in college, and I knew a bunch of people who had come and st- started doing comedy through UCB. So that's how I got into it. And it's but I want it. Pe- yeah, I want people to understand that like this tea we're getting is like if Gossip Girl was in New York City Comedy mm-hmm. Club improv. Like this is the drama going on with New York City's top tier improvers, yes. and there is like serious drama that happens within. Like the drama kids who were in high school, I yes. feel like. <laughs> I remember the Facebook event for the party was called Fucked Up New Year's for Glamorous Freaks. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. And every I invited everyone, everyone except this man. This is the kind of thing like in high school where like the jocks or like the popular kids threw a party and you knew that like the glamorous freaks party was so much better. The people are like so much smarter, so much funnier. And like that was the real party to be at. Well, yeah. And also my party was like at my apartment, which we had like a backyard and stuff and you could do whatever you wanted. And the other party was like in a bar and had a cover and like all this other stuff. And I was like, no, come to my house. You can do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Unless you're him. Unless. You're exactly one person. <laughs> so, so much of my early comedy career was just pure pettiness and spite and anger toward this man. I love that. But I kind of, and for people listening, she knows now, it, it, it's also never about the guy. I find mm-hmm. that if you have bad anxiety, and I don't want to project onto you, but I know with me... I've gotten into those weird things with guys who like clearly suck, but for some reason you have these like obsessive loop thoughts about them and you can't get them out of your routine of like, wake up, be upset about him, go to bed, wake up, be more upset. And it's actually like you're anxious about other things and putting it all on this guy who literally is like, I don't want to be a part of this narrative anymore. And like, I've never given you a reason to like be this obsessed Mm -hmm. with me. But I feel like when you're young, like the love like that is so easy to like, absolutely 100 percent. and like i always think about i can't remember the first time i heard this but um when you have anxiety like it can just pool somewhere and it doesn't mean that like that's even the thing that's actually causing your anxiety it's just that's where it has all decided Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. and at that time you know i had just moved to new york I was trying to make it in this business that's really, really hard. I was, you know, working my day job, not having a ton of money, jumping the turnstile. Like, just like, I was very anxious all the time. And I think that being obsessed with this dude and being obsessed with my relationship with him, it gave my plate, it put my anxiety in a box. Like, it gave it a place to be instead of just being this thing that was happening all the time. It's like, 
no, I'm anxious about this guy and my relationship with this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's probably like, yeah, it was a little bit anxious, but it's way less scary to put it on to him and oversimplify it than be like, oh, like I need to find out where like how to afford living in New York City and my dreams might never come true. Yeah. And like, <laughs> oh, I just entered an industry that is extremely difficult to enter into. I'm starting to realize and look around and realize all the people who have like institutional advantages that I don't have. Like Mm -hmm. just by virtue of like um, starting to realize like, oh, okay, this person went to NYU. So they've actually been in New York for four years longer than me. And they started taking UCB classes when they were 18 years old. And so now they're on a team. But I couldn't possibly have done that because I was at the University of Delaware during that time. And there's so much politics involved too with these teams. Yes. And like you realize like, oh, my God, I didn't realize. But that person's dad is actually a famous director. And and that's why and they got an agent Mm -hmm. when they were five years old. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that stuff. And I'm learning for the first time. And I also am not, you know, independently wealthy enough to not have to have a day job, whereas some people don't. And so it's like you start realizing when you first when I first came to New York, I was like bright eyed, bushy tailed, 22. And I'm just like, no, I'm the funniest person in the world. I'm absolutely adorable. Mm -hmm. I'm great at improv and that's just gonna be enough and then you start to realize like all this other shit that goes into it and all of these other things that you weren't even thinking about where it's like okay well actually all of your improv classes cost $500 a piece so figure that out because it's $2,000 before you're even allowed to audition for a team and it's like oh okay cool I'm nannying I'm doing this so it, I think that this relationship was a really, really convenient place for me to just put all of that. Now, g- going th- through, like, your roasting yourself when you're 15, has that been therapeutic for you at all? Or do you understand yourself a little more? Or even hearing other people tell their stories about what they were like at 15? 100%. I think um, when I first started doing it, I legitimately, like, the pictures legitimately embarrassed me so much. And (laughs) now I find them so sweet and adorable. And it's really helped me to, like, see my 15-year-old self. Like, my my email address when I was 15 was Mrs. Sid Vicious. Like, that is (laughs) absurd. Sid Vicious killed his wife. Actually stabbed her. Because I don't even know the psyche of, like, how that came to be. Because I was just like, I like punk music and Sid Vicious is cool. It's like, girlfriend, this man killed his wife. They did heroin and then he woke up from a heroin stupor and he had killed her. Like, this is not, you don't want to be Mrs. Sid Vicious. <laughs> you were a rebel. That stuff used to really embarrass me and I had, like, a complex about it. And I, I had a complex about how angsty I was. Yeah. And um, and all that stuff and and doing this show has really um, really let let me like forgive that person and like love that person a lot more. Yeah. Like and just see her as like oh you're you're just you know you're just trying to make it you're just trying to figure stuff out and you don't know you have bad anxiety and so you're acting out in all these different ways. Can you please tell me the hot topic story because it's my favorite. About wanting to work at Hot Topic? Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, okay, so I, um, I, I was a big Hot Topic shopper, uh, <laughs> definitely. I used Manic Panic for all my hair styling needs, was obsessed with everything in Hot Topic. Juan is, styled myself as such. So one day I was in Hot Topic. <laughs> That's the way I spent many, many hours, because me and my friends were definitely like mall rats too, so I'm like just wandering around the Pharaoh's And this is like mall. the D.C. area. Yes, Fairfax, Virginia. And the sort of like rockabilly punk girl behind the counter. I was like, I was like rocking my look that day. This is when I had purple tips on my hair. Mm -hmm. And I had this really cool Ramones shirt that was like different than the normal Ramones shirt. I had gotten it on the boardwalk in New Jersey and it had like a different vibe. And then I had um, my studded belt, obviously. Obviously. And my like like a little flared skirt and two high top converse a pink one and a black one and I would wear I would wear different ones and then I would have the pink converse would have a black sock and the black oh. converse would have a pink sock so You're I was so like detail oriented I was I was very detail oriented I probably also had like a little bow like a little clipped bow um and the the woman behind the counter at Hot Topic said like I really like, you know, you could work here. You look really cool. Like, you could work here. And my, it was like <laughs> angels <laughs> singing to me. I was like, do, do you actually think that I could work at Hot Top? Like, do you think that? And she was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, she's like, yeah, I mean, you look crazy as hell. So you could probably work here. <laughs> You look fucking insane. So She's probably. like, yeah, you look like you curse out your parents every night. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You looked at, you look like you screamed at your mom before coming here. So, yeah, you definitely could work here. Um, and I remember, like, taking the application from her and, like, sitting down with my friends and us, literally all of us being like, this is it. One of us is. It was like <laughs> one of us has made it. Yeah, Like, it's finally <laughs> happening for one of us. Like, one of us is going to work at Hot Topic. And I'm, like, meticulously filled out this application. Honestly, probably put unnecessary information on the application about, like, my music <laughs> taste and stuff. Like, it was tr truly a standard form application to work at a mall. But, like, <laughs> I'm, like, I live and breathe Hot Topic. You're, like, guys, you're not going to be able to make eye contact with me in the future, so enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, like, I need to be here. And I'm, like, in my mind, the, truly the way that now when I audition for something cool and I, like, imagine what it would be like if I get it, I'm in my mind imagining what it would be like to be the girl who works at, like, I, I thought that, like, this was really going to raise my profile to be the girl who works at Hot Topic. <laughs> I was like, it's one thing to be me as I am right now, but mm -hmm. once I work at Hot Topic, my peers are going to know, like, <laughs> the emo thing, like, it's a lifestyle for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually, it's actually my career. It's not a choice. It's in my blood. Yeah, exactly. Being fucking punk rock <laughs> is my career. So like, it's a religion. It's, it's everything to me. I'm so good at it. I get paid. To exactly. Do yeah. People pay me to be this fucking hardcore. So <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, I turn in the application. Never hear from them. <laughs> I'm absolutely destroyed by it. Probably because I had no work experience. Uh, end up working at Subway. 
So, <laughs> and, and you know what's actually not cool? Being the girl who works at Subway. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to wear the visor? Oh, the visor, the shirt that says sandwich artist, the whole thing. And it was like me and a bunch of, I was 15 and then a bunch of much older people who always had like very serious crises going on in their life, like. <laughs> Being like, I no one can watch my kids. Like, you have to stay for the rest of the day. And I would just be like, okay. So <laughs> it's like traumatizing. Yeah. Like I oh, I remember one day I was like, I was there really late and this guy Arturo just never showed up and they were like, Arturo drunk drove into a pole. He's fine, but you're here for the rest of the night. And I was just oh, like, Okay, cool. God. And also then- Subway has a very distinct smell. I can't like I can't really fuck with Subway anymore because I spent too much time in there. And, and the, I overdid it in college. I did. Because like, we would travel to matches and we'd always just stop at Subway. It is and good. But once it's you've great. been in it, yeah, it's not you can't You can't go back. You can't really go back. So I eventually left Subway and became the hostess at Glory Days Grill, which I think socially was a little bit higher up of a position. Yes. And, like, a little bit powerful, I would say. Yeah, because I was hanging out with some older people who could buy me, like, cigarettes and who could buy me some alcohol. Um, and that was cool. So when did you start realizing that you had anxiety? So I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was in high school. And I started seeing, like, a therapist a little bit and got put on Prozac. But I wasn't really taking it. I didn't really understand... It didn't, like, make sense to me that the way that I was experiencing the world was actually not necessary and not how it needed to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And, like... Because it was your normal. Yeah. And so it didn't... I didn't understand how to label, really, what parts of my life were my anxiety. So I knew I had anxiety, but I wasn't really doing anything to stop it I went and to what the, caused you to like get to the point to be like oh I need to go to a doctor because I feel like so many people have generalized anxiety disorder and never do anything I was clashing with my parents really hardcore like we were just going at it at my house and um yeah I'm Cuban and Italian and the, what that translates to is just yelling 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 (laughs) so much yelling so I was clashing with my parents really hard um I was at the time I was saying that I was depressed but what I've actually learned in my therapy now is that when I'm depressed like my depression is actually more of a function of my anxiety like Mm. I get so anxious when my anxiety gets unmanageable, it causes me causes me to become depressed because I feel so like out of control and I don't know how to like do anything. Yep. So my anxiety was really out of control at the time. So I was depressed. I was like sleeping all the time. Like I remember, I was just I was just like sleeping for like constant hours. And then at one point, I did dabble in self-harm like cutting a little bit but never Mm. I feel weird saying it because but like I know that when I did it it really was for attention 
Like, it yeah. really was actually a cry for help thing, and I really only did it in a serious way, like, once or twice, and it was... So you were doing it, like, self-aware, as in, like, I know if I do this, I can get this response. 100%. It was something that I was doing because I, you know, again, me and my parents are clashing really hard. I felt like they were not listening to me, and I really had that feeling of, like, they don't get the extremity of the situation yeah they do not understand how freaked out I am all the time they don't understand the extreme nature of my emotions how volatile I feel how much all of this stuff is upsetting me but if I do this thing they're gonna have to take it'll it freak serious. them out it's yeah so exactly easy, I think for parents to be like oh, she's just being a crazy teenager yeah I like Going back and looking at it, I really was doing it so that they would have to take some kind of action and that they would have to, like, take me seriously, kind of. Because I do think that my parents had a tendency to be very, like, "Uh, oh, woe is you. Like, you have Mm -hmm. a really nice life. We're really nice. Which is true. Yeah. But I also had an undiagnosed anxiety disorder that was causing me a lot of pain and stress and all this stuff. And I didn't know how to make them take me seriously. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do something where it's like, you're going to have to make an appointment for me. You're going to have to now take me seriously because I did this really serious thing. It makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and that's the thing is like doing the show, I've come to like, I've talked so much about my teenage self that I've come to like understand her and have so much more compassion for her. Do you think she would be like... If she knew where you are now, like, do you think she's proud of you? Yeah, I think she I think she would think all of this is extremely cool because I wanted to live in New York from such a young age. Like I always saw myself in New York City. I don't think I realized in my teenage years, I loved doing theater and I was such a theater kid Mm -hmm. and uh, I let a lot of my anxiety pool into that as well, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Multiple mental breakdowns <laughs> as a result of that, but... <laughs> oh, my God. But I, I didn't, it. like... Um, I don't think I really felt like I could do it as a career. Like, I didn't understand it. Same. And I definitely didn't understand, like, comedy as a career. So I think for her, like, if my 15-year-old self could see me, like, in an apartment in New York doing comedy, she'd be like, that's cooler than I thought. And you've got a boyfriend. (laughs) Awesome. And there's a boyfriend. Awesome. And you're having sex with your boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to wear that spiked belt and he still likes you. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. I do think before... Before tennis, like I actually I went to specialized performing arts middle school in Park Slope, Brooklyn and drama. We, it was like you picked a talent and drama was my talent. And those like two hours during the day, like he would shut the light and we'd all just like be floating around in class. And like we were just such freaks and having so much fun. And like you remind me of a lot of my friends in that class. And then I think I decided to go the tennis route. And I really think seeing you at Betches and what you were doing, it almost made me like miss my like middle school self of like wait that was fun and like sometimes I think when you're hard on yourself you like 
don't think that the fun thing is actually the best yeah. thing for you to do but that's actually like a self-love thing to be like wait if I enjoy it maybe I still yeah. could get paid and maybe I could still get respect like as if I'm not slaving or upset about something because a lot of time you associate pain with like success especially in this society yes and I think it's really crazy the way we like tell teenagers you have to make decisions for your whole life right now you know oh like like talking to you about the roast it's like you had to make the decision to be a professional athlete yeah and it's like you haven't even been kissed yet like you don't know anything (laughs) about the world and I remember when I was in high school I was so like my anxiety was insane about getting into college because my high school it's a public high school but it's a really like it's in a fancy area And Mm -hmm. they, like, really want to make sure that everybody gets into college and everyone gets into a good college. Then they made it seem like, I don't know, I remember feeling like I was, like, the next year, like, if I don't figure my shit out by the time I'm 17 and a half, (laughs) that's it. I'm going to be homeless. And so I feel like it leads people to, like, there's so many people I've talked to on the roast who are like, yeah, I went to medical school because... When I was 18, I was like, I guess I want to be a doctor. And then actually, I wanted to perform. Actually, I'm a comedian. Actually, I'm mm-hmm. this or that. And it's it's so interesting the way we... I think in, teenagers naturally feel like high school is their whole world. But we mm-hmm. also make them feel like high school is their entire world. Oh, 100%. And you literally have 10% of your brain developed you don't know you've never been anywhere you've never been anywhere you go to the same damn place every day (laughs) and you're consuming like the same content every day burner phone is brought to you by progressive insurance what if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast with progressive it is just visit the progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. But what I also remember about you is when I met you, you already were dating this guy named Danny. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, okay, she's like developing her career. She has this whole like plan in her head of like becoming a star but she also is like working on this relationship with this guy and you guys are engaged and you're like about to go shopping for wedding dresses and it makes me so happy because I personally love Danny I've worked with Danny I've hung with Danny he's just and he's from Wisconsin so we like immediately bonded (laughs) um I'm also gonna post some old videos because Elise and I came up with the first like I'd say like first three videos I've ever Mm -hmm. done at Betches um, the types st- of friends during a breakup is still one of the funniest videos. Oh That's my gosh. I think I, I think I need to post it on my Instagram again <laughs> when I promote this. Cause guys, like we were basically told by, um, the betches that like we were going to make a video and we could like basically do an SNL type sketch. And Elise was like the other, like the only comedian that was really working there who was writing a lot. And I was like, Hey, can you help me? And I remember at first you kind of being like, I'm like super overwhelmed and busy right now. And then you were like, wait, this could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, no, wait, actually what you're doing sounds so much more fun than the thing that I have to do. And I was like, at least no, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like with your confidence, like I remember you would tell me if you thought something was funny. 
so I would like say a bunch of random shit to you and then having your like okay on it made me feel validated and then like together we posted like a video and it got like a million views yeah and we were just like oh shit it was the fucking best and then we started getting a lot of like comedy friends involved and you were a big part of that where I was like Elise like give me your most talented like improvers stand-ups and we put them all and Danny was one of them so but you're also I'm Actually, I'm dating a comic right now. <gasps> I said I wouldn't. Oh, my. I, Hannah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, it can work. It can work. Well, tell me, what is your experience dating another comic, especially after such a bad experience? And then how did you know he was like the one? That's my loaded question for so, you. So I think number one Danny is a very different and interesting person than anyone I've ever met. And by the time he and I had met, which we did meet doing comedy, he had already, like, he's he came up from Chicago and in the yep. Chicago world. And he lived, like, ten different lives before he Yeah, met and so by the time he came to New York, it's like, we didn't really have to clash over all that stupid stuff like, oh, you're getting these shows and I'm not getting these shows or you're getting into a UCB class or I'm not because he'd already done, he'd already come through the institutions that he was going to come through and he just wanted mm-hmm. to do his comedy for himself and I was already at a place where I was just doing my comedy for myself so the competitive aspect never really came into it. And you're, I think early on your comedy styles are so different. Yes. And what's funny is I actually find other comedians who are very different than me the funniest. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't imagine, like, hitting a joke like that or, like, having no. people doing that. So I actually get, like, more impressed than people who are more similar to we me. Are so, Danny and I are so different. Like, Danny is so big and ostentatious and crazy and characters and, and catchphrases and yes. running all around so physical. And I, like, truly stand yep. at my mic. And yeah. say all of my jokes. I don't move. <laughs> I don't go. And you're just like, I feel like you're like deeply cerebral, sarcastic, yeah. edgy. I keep like, myself really casual. I try to, when I'm doing a set, I try to feel like um, I have like a very light touch. Like I'm just like, oh, here we are and we're talking. Danny is absolutely screaming. Boom. Running <laughs> all over the place. Like, Yo, and my favorite part out. is, boom, boom. Like, yes. In high school, how he was, like, the jock. Mm-hmm. And you were, like, the girl who he wouldn't have, like, no. been in the same friend group as. We absolutely never would have spoken. And and when I do the live rest of your teenage self shows, I have a mock-up. I use his prom <laughs> photo. And I did, like, a, a fake prom photo of us. And it's hilarious because he literally has, it is in a football uniform, has, like, bleached tips. And yep. I have my, like, emo hair. And I'm like, <laughs> And it looks insane so how did you decide to marry this man I honestly think I knew that something was different really on our first date that we actually went on so we hooked up first um we actually both completely blacked out uh woke up absolutely surprised to see him in my home did not know that I had company at all. So, yep. <laughs> but I had had a crush on him, so I was like, okay, Uh-oh. good. So we got that. So basically you had a blackout night, and there was insertion. Yeah. And then what happened? So then we woke up the next morning, and I was I was extremely hungover. 
<laughs> and I had to coach an improv team. So I was like, I was like, listen, man, I gotta go. I gave him my number. He did not. I did not get his in return. So I was like waiting for him to text me. And Danny has a reputation of being like a really nice guy. So yeah. For a while, like when he didn't text me, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is crazy. Like I can't imagine. He eventually texted me the next day. He I waited remember you telling me you were like, who knew that Danny was a monster yeah. human? <laughs> I was, well, I, this, so this happened twice. Then we went on this date that was literally like, it's, was the corniest, most magical date. Like we had such a nice dinner. We connected so much. I was like, he was like telling me all about how much he loves his family and his like little hometown that he's from. And I was like, oh my God, he's precious. And then we walked outside and there was one of those street fairs in Williamsburg and he like won me a bear. And then we walked <laughs> over the Williamsburg bridge and like kissed on the bridge. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. So then we started like seeing each other pretty regularly. And one night, so back up, at this period of time, Danny does not have a smartphone. He has like a flip phone because... There's a thing that straight guys do where they do something really annoying and they think that it makes them interesting, but it actually <laughs> just makes it really hard to get in touch with them. Having a flip phone is not a personality type. <laughs> it's not. It actually just is making it hard to get in touch with you. And, and extremely hard to type. Exactly. It actually just makes it hard to communicate with you. So Danny has a flip phone. He's living that lifestyle at that time. And one night we, he had gone out. I decided to stay in and I was like, but you can like come over after. So just text me. Um, I don't hear from him all night and I go to sleep. Don't hear from him. I wake up. I have no text from him. I'm like, what is this? I text him once. I'm like, hey, didn't hear from you last night. I missed you. But like, let me know what you're up to. I hear nothing. So now I'm in a double text situation because I had texted him the night before being like, about to go to bed, let me know if you're coming, hadn't heard. Now there's a double text. So now obviously I can't. We have an issue. We have an issue. I cannot text him again. Yeah. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting hours and hours. I go to my improv practice, which like we always put our phones away during practice. And I'm like, if at the end of this three hour practice, <laughs> I don't have a text from this man, like. I'm going to flip the fuck out. I And you and and if you send that third text or you call, then you get into like feeling crazy territory. Yes. And I already had that experience from my past. That's in my past. I'm not you chasing new these woman. improv boys anymore. You're a new woman. <laughs> I'm a new woman. I'm not doing this anymore. So the class and <laughs> er, the the thing ends, no text from Danny. I'm livid. Devastated, livid. I I truly talk shit about him for the entire <laughs> 40 minute ride back to Brooklyn I'm like this motherfucker he thinks he's so nice but he's a dog and all those boys at the Annoyance Theater are dogs and I shouldn't have fucked any one of them and I'm like you're putting like like quotes on Facebook just about how you can't trust anyone yep. again yeah I'm like wow sometimes it's the the nice ones who actually turn out to be the dirt dirtiest of all and stuff and then I get home and I have a Facebook message from Danny that says that his phone, <laughs> without telling him, his stupid flip phone ran out of data and stopped sending or receiving text messages. 
And this entire time, he was going through the exact same thing on his end, had sent almost the exact same text to me being like, hey, I'm leaving, like, haven't heard from you, so I guess I'm going to go home. Then hitting me up in the morning being like, hey, missed you last <laughs> night. Where have you been? Literally going through the exact same thing as me all day. He ended up asking, he ended up also talking shit about me to all his friends, being like, I don't know what <laughs> happened with this girl. And then midway through realizes like, wait, can you guys text me? <laughs> and they all, all of his friends texted him and they, he didn't get any of the texts. And then he texted them and they didn't get any of the texts. That's such a stupid boy thing to happen. It's like, it's your fault. You did this to everyone. If you, you caused this pain. If you had just joined society at the normal time, <laughs> this never would have happened. Oh my God. But it also sounds like it was a bonding thing where you both felt like you lost each other for a second and realized how much you both cared. Yes. Yeah, it honestly, like, the feeling that I got when I realized, like, actually he had been trying to get in touch with me the entire time, it was, like, such a sweet moment, and I don't know, our relationship was just, like, it just felt different from the get, and then we moved in at about a year, and then, um, yeah, last August we got engaged, and next August we're getting married. I always felt like with you, you didn't have that much relationship anxiety. And I don't I want to like project onto you, but I feel, I feel like the things that it felt like he was like felt like home to you mm -hmm. and he was like your rock. And like, obviously, you guys probably had issues at times, but it didn't. You know, some people with their relationship is always like top of mind. Like if it's good, if it's bad, it's yes. affecting their mood. I always felt like a pretty like warm, stable feeling from you. And that's why, like, I remember talking to you like I'm. We were in like Midtown and kind of you kind of hinting you might move in together, but you seem so like comfortable about it. He's just like, I, I would just say like our foundation of trust is really good. Mm -hmm. And it's always crazy to me when I'm talking to a friend or like watching 90 Day Fiance or something. <laughs> Or remembering or past relationships that were dramatic. <laughs> like when I remember that relationship we were talking about at the beginning, that I was constantly worried that he was cheating on me or flirting with other girls or texting someone on the side and all of that stuff. And now like, I mean, knock on wood, but like that's literally unthinkable. Like I would, yeah. if I found out that Danny was doing that, I would be like, you need to get an MRI you have a tumor in your brain. Something has changed you fundamentally, like something happened. Yeah, when you're insecure about it, they're giving you a reason. Like, so I always feel like don't feel crazy when you feel like that in relationships. Like it's a give and a take and he hasn't given you any reason to ever have a thought like that. No, and we have obviously our issues and like the beginning of quarantine was so tough in the relationship. We, we literally had to move to a two-bedroom apartment because the one bedroom was destroying us. Like, we were just on top of each other. It was, it was not working. Like, we've had problems. But trust has never been one of those issues. Do you feel like even though you have really different comedy styles in terms of performing, that, like, your personality types and humor of, like, your real people... Yes. <laughs> It do go well together. Yeah, and I think I think the fact that our senses of humor are so different, mm -hmm. um, we make each other laugh because we surprise each other. Yeah, like he said, like the jokes that he makes makes me laugh so hard because I would never 
do that joke. I feel like you guys are so different but I feel like deep down you're very similar yes and we're both and he definitely has helped me be more of my like sillier self yeah because I can be very yes. just like you know I'm a very I'm a Taurus I'm like chill I'm mm-hmm. seated I'm, nine times mm-hmm. out of ten, you're going to find me seated. You're going to find mm-hmm. me with my vape pen in my hand, chilled mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. Danny, like, gives me the permission to be kind of like the like hyped fun. up fun version of myself. Yeah, it's funny how people will bring out different sides to you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's – actually, my parents are kind of like that, where my dad, like, lets my mom be silly. She's a principal of a school. She has to be so firm all the time. Yeah. And our main joke around the house, which I will share um, – if that when I'm doing work or trying to concentrate on anything, I'll turn around and Danny will have mooned me. And he <laughs> sings this song that goes, um, why my pants keep falling down? Why my pants keep falling down? And he always tries to get me and it gets me every time. It really makes me laugh. <laughs> I kind of like it too. It's similar to me where like I feel like my I hate to say brand, but I have this very like men are trash, like drop his ass at any time. I don't need a fucking man ever mentality. And then when I kind of met the guy I'm seeing, I've turned into like I I'm disgusted by myself of how like gushy and stuff I am. But like that's also just us evolving as people as like yeah. I'm not that like hardcore emotionally unavailable person anymore. And like how my comedy is going to be involved evolve now that i'm like oh what is funny about now trying to have a functioning relationship like there's always funny in everything exactly yeah it's like you just go into the different stages and like yeah in my early 20s and stuff i did a ton of comedy about how shitty dating was and how annoying it was and it was funny at that time because that was my truth but now it's fun to talk about like navigating a relationship and like being obsessed with my cat (laughs) same <laughs> like literally talking to it constantly <laughs> <laughs> you understand me um it is time to wrap up with our final game you're doing amazing in oh hell it's been steamy it's time to play the seven deadly sins okay seven deadly sins elise what are you greedy about um food and snacks what are your favorites My favorites, I'm usually a salty snack person. Mm -hmm. I love those, um, those voodoo chips are really, really Mm -hmm. good. But Mm -hmm. I just, my parents literally never had snacks in the house growing up. They eat in the most, my dad eats in the most absurd way. Like he will have a single, he eats like, um, Emily Blunt in uh, Devil Wears Prada. Like if you eat, he'll eat like a cube of cheese when he feels faint and that's fine for him. (laughs) I hate that, especially for men, when it's like you can eat way more calories. Your body will allow you. Exactly. Last time I was home, I was like, Dad, do we have any snacks in the house? And he was like, yeah, we have yogurt and ham. I was like, what are you talking That's like my parents. Once they just had soy sauce, and I was like, what are you guys doing to me? So anyway, now I can't be around any snack. I finish it within 24 hours. I like can't be around them. I don't know how to control myself. Yeah, as a parent, I definitely want to have more stuff available. Well, as Italians, it's known to always have, like, a little bowl of chocolates, just, like, as a welcoming thing. Absolutely. And because we always had the bowl of chocolates, I never craved chocolate or wanted chocolate. And my friends would be like, oh, my God, there's chocolate. And they'd be, like, stuffing in their, like, pants and mouth and just, like, hide it. 
So I realized when you like take things away from kids, they become obsessed with it. So I'm just going to be like, do whatever you want. Yeah. That's my parenting I'm going to have snacks at my house so that my kids <laughs> know how to be around the snacks. <laughs> and also I realized I like snacks more than actual meals. Um, who are you envious of? Who am I envious of? Oh, um, in, this is in a positive way, but Zendaya, she is oh, so what beautiful. A queen. And she's so talented and she's so young and she can <laughs> sing and she can dance. Yes. And I feel and she can like be funny and she can be I'm serious. just like, she's it. She's the perfect person her. and she's so beautiful. I also, I love that she hasn't fucked her face up. I feel like she so easily could have. And I've seen, I, I'm very into celebrity plastic surgery. I followed a couple accounts and now it's, it's just cats and mm-hmm. like celebrity faces comparing like 2012 to 2020. And I've seen her comparisons and she's just growing like a natural woman should. And I, I love that confidence. And she does also have that personality where you can tell it's not tailored for the media. Mm-hmm. She'll like even her acceptance for the Emmy. She was just so raw. Genuine and, and- and she, I just, I'm like, we're going to be seeing her for years to come. And I like, I genuinely, she's going to be beautiful the whole, like she's going to age so gorgeously. When she's 30, she's going to look incredible. When she's 50. But also I think it's her personality yes. that makes her so gorgeous. Yes. And she's so talented and she she's seems so nice. And I'm just like, damn. So Zendaya, I'm very envious that. of Zendaya. Besides snacks, what are you gluttonous about? I kind of know, but you can. Oh, weed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, weed. I'm what the the doctors would say, uh, addicted to weed. (laughs) Have you ever tried to get off? Do you feel like it helps your anxiety or it like it just keeps you in a certain limbo? So I recently did a week off because in quarantine it was getting a little crazy and I was like, maybe we don't need to be high at 8 o'clock in the morning. So (laughs) I I took a week off and I am going to do a sober October coming up. Well, you love that. You've been doing that. That's like your thing. I usually did sober September, but um, I had had a fun trip to the beach planned this month, so I wasn't going to be sober for that. But I'm going to do sober October, and for the first – I usually don't include weed. I'm going to include weed, so I'm going to do a month off to test myself. Are you afraid of your sober thoughts at all? I feel like a lot of my, like, weed addiction and snacks is I always have to be, like, fiddling with something mm. and, like, doing like something. Like a little oral fixation. Yeah, and I always have to, like, I smoked cigarettes for a really long time just because mm. I loved stepping out and, like, the actual physical motion of it. So I'm trying to get myself, I've been embroidering a little bit. That's like a oh my little, God, I'm obsessed. like, getting into embroidery a little bit. So I've been trying to, like, set little things that all, that I can do with my hands. I love that's what I love having cats like right now I've been petting my cat the whole time and it's calming uh, yeah it just feels great yeah also side note because you are like the political guru of the comedy world <laughs> do you feel do you have any advice for people who have trouble with their anxiety when it comes to politics like I actually had a like visceral reaction yesterday because my I'm dating an older man mm-hmm. he's 44 so he wakes up and he puts on the news and I was like, turn it off. Like, I, like, freaked out. It was like, Trump oh. says that, like, Corona, he's, he's dealt with Corona the best possible way. Like, some, some quote just set me off. How do you, how do I get myself to still, like, know what's going on without the visceral reactions? So, you have to set limits 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, you, and you have to find 
a way of listening to the news that makes you feel informed but also isn't alarmist. So I would say that like... But so much news is trying to align. I you. know. So 99% honestly of the cable news networks, I don't really fuck with them and I don't really watch them unless there's like like if a debate is happening or something, yeah. I will watch them. But I do not get my news from them and I think honestly getting I mean, you can get the Betches Up newsletter, but also the New York yeah. Times has like a roundup in the morning. I actually like to check Twitter moments that'll just tell you or it, I guess they call it the explore page now. It just tells you like on news the top stories because and that can be a little alarmist sometimes too but I think that reading it is a lot more palatable for me they'll like have the big headline of the story and then if you click on it you can find it from a bunch of different sources and then you can also find what people are saying about it so I find it like a pretty digestible way and also just right at the top it'll give you the top line two lines like Ruth Bader Ginsburg died or whatever. And then you can read that and be like, I understand. I love that. Next question. When was the last time you were sloth? So like super lazy. Oh my God. Yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday I had all this stuff I was going to do. And then I went on one bike ride and I was like, I am too tired. And (laughs) And I got in my bed. I ordered Thai food and I watched so much 90 Day Fiance and did nothing and it was gorgeous I wish I did that with you because that sounds like my perfect day I also have this thing where I'm like I can't wake up too early because then I'll be like so tired the whole day (laughs) I I told myself I used to I'd be like I literally I couldn't schedule my college classes at 10 a.m because I would miss (laughs) them because I was asleep I've started in quarantine I can wake up earlier because I don't have to be anywhere like I know that I'm even though I'm waking up at like seven I'm waking up at seven and staying in my house and I don't have to put on pants or clothes or anything yeah yeah so it's like less exertion in that way exactly but you're I feel like you're similar to me in that you have a lot of different kinds of jobs where you have to put like a different hat on yes how do you not get overwhelmed where like you have that one day where like everything needs something from those different jobs because I like I will not even have that much to do but I'll get so overwhelmed because it's like such different things going on oh I I mean I still get super overwhelmed um all the time but I have like I I really rely on my planner and I am like religious a religious user of it Mm -hmm. and I try to What's helped me also is I keep track of everything I did in a day. Like, I'll just write, Mm. like, done. I went to this. I did my laundry. I did all this stuff. And it helps me to be, like, on days where I'm, like, oh, my God, you didn't do anything. I'm, like, okay, well, actually, you did all of these things. Yeah. Or, okay, yeah, you didn't do anything today, but look at all the shit you did yesterday. Like, like it helps me. I think lists. Yeah. Lists turn me on. Like, lists will get me going mm-hmm. more than anything and like crossing something off a list yeah even if it's like the tiniest thing of being like take your birth control yeah yeah <laughs> even the I most basic thing it's like I did it I did it yeah. so it counts and then it, it's easier to continue to do more things Definitely. um when was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something so like your ego oh my god that's a really good question it's the hard. it's the hard one of the group oh I'm trying to think I'm I like vaguely know what I'm gonna say but I'm trying to think of the actual details of I'm I'm remembering 
I'm getting a vision. I'm, kind of, I'm getting a vision of being a bitch <laughs> in a fight. <laughs> I'm getting a vision of myself being a real bitch for no reason. <laughs> and there's so many possible scenarios. I know, and of I'm like, why. I know it was to my fiance, but what? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm literally blanking on the details of this fight, but basically, there was a fight we were in recently where I kind of knew that I was just like trying to start Wrong. problems for the, <laughs> for the sake of starting problems and the argument continued way longer than it needed to basically because I was refusing to admit that that's what I was doing it's funny because now that I'm getting into this more serious relationship where two people like actually care about each other I realize how easy it is to like get someone upset and like get that attention yes. and you have to be like we're gonna get healthy attention <laughs> we're gonna get healthy attention we don't need to just like act cold for no reason and yeah. make him wonder why or just like I feel like for me it's always just like nitpicking a thing that was said that it's like let it go it's not yeah. needed right now oh my god I love that we're both in relationships and we could talk about this mm-hmm. I feel like we're so mature right now but it's you're right there's a thin line between being very open and honest and communicative of like hey that upset me when you said that and like work it out super maturely and also being like okay you were in your own head and let's not make a thing about this. yeah like you used the wrong word <laughs> but maybe we can just move yeah forward. like should we make this a moment or not yeah yeah um, and it's sometimes I'm like I'll make it the moment and I really shouldn't <laughs> That's so reality TV, though. Like, as someone who shoots a show, mm-hmm. you can easily see how you can make something yeah. into a dramatic like, moment oh, if you want there it to we be. Go. Mm-hmm. You're like, just give me what I'm waiting for, and then you can make it something. Uh, we like the t- we call it moments in reality TV. Like, are you gonna have a moment? Um, are you gonna wear your outfit and get into a fucking moment? Tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I like see Paige get dressed up, and I'm like, are you trying to have a moment? <laughs> Um, looks like I'm ready for a moment. I'm going to start using that in my regular life. Like, I'm about to have a moment. Um, when was the last time besides Danny you lusted over someone? So, like, do you have a celebrity crush? Oh, man. Like, a real... It's. I feel like it's been a long time since I've had, like, a very real celebrity crush. But, um... This is actually timely. Um, there's a movie about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life called On the Basis mm-hmm. of Sex where Army mm-hmm. Hammer plays her husband. And he is so hot in this movie as Marty Ginsburg, who was not hot <laughs> at all, who was just like a little old lawyer. I saw that movie alone. It was like... Um, it was was he I was playing doing- an older guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> This was before. Was he playing an older guy? Um, was she dating an older guy? No, like was he oh. playing older than he is? No, he was playing them when he was young, when they were young, okay. and it's okay. about like this case that she argued that was like her landmark case, where she um, she basically argued gender discrimination in front of the court and got them to agree because she took on the case of a man and said he was being discriminated against. And she used him to prove that gender discrimination in the law was a thing. And it was very smart because this all-male panel was able to more relate to, like, his thing. Empathize with that. But anyway, she also had a really great husband, and their love story is beautiful, and Army Hammer plays him in the movie. And I, like, (laughs) the sexual reaction that I had alone in this theater in Chelsea, seeing Army (laughs) Hammer as Ruth Bader Ginsburg's hot husband was huge. (laughs) 
And yeah, Paige is actually very into Army because she heard that he has like oil money or something. <laughs> well, listen, she should watch this movie because Marty Ginsburg's like such a good husband, and his whole thing mm-hmm. is that like he's a lawyer, but he realizes that she's actually the genius, and he like helps her to like he helps her to go be her thing and do her thing, and he like never feels any that's type of way about it and it's that's like what your boyfriend could have been when you were 22 when i know he was 30. and to but watch instead, it actually play out is sexual yes oh my god yeah um elise you're crushing it i have one final question yeah. for you because i know that you're so smart you're so funny you've gone through hell in your life um and it's made you the smart funny person you are today but what advice would you give to the little devils on how to cope with your hell when you're going through it Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I, what, what I really, what really helps me is if you are anxious about like a specific event, like if you're like, oh my God, I have this work call and it's causing me this much anxiety or like whatever. I have to, I have to have this phone call with my friend at two and I'm going to tell her that she's being a bitch and it's causing me a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. What I always like to focus on if that thing is happening at two is I'm like imagine three like imagine 3 p.m. when that thing is done and you can like you can like really feel the weight of all of it coming off like on a day where I'm so anxious and I back in the day when I had shows and I would be like oh my god I have this 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 and this and to do today and then I've got this show at nine I would always imagine myself at 1030 when the show is done and like how good that moment's gonna feel that's actually such good advice. I've never heard something like that before because it's like it's all perspective. And if you focus on like the hardships of like the nerves right before versus like the validation of completing it yeah. all, it really is just how you view things. Yeah. And just like you're 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 like, you know what? Like, yeah, you've got all of this stuff ahead of you, but, you know, at whatever time it's going to be done and you're going to be able to like feel that relief. And that has always helped me. Yeah, and that there is that light always. Yes. And I think always having that hope of, like, knowing there is light and there's positivity is, like, what keeps people Yeah, and even if it's, on. like, an ongoing thing, you know, that doesn't have a set time, you can think of it as, like, okay, but at 5 p.m. I'm going to get home and I'm going to sit mm-hmm. and I'm going to put on my favorite show and I'm going to, like, do chill time for a while. Like, give yourself a timed thing to look forward to. What are you currently binging? 90 Day Fiance. Oh, okay, I need to. I oh my god, I watched Happily Ever After. I'm Is going through in order, and then I'm gonna start going into the other franchises. But should I start like from the very beginning? I started from the very beginning, and I ha- I have enjoyed uh, going through and seeing things get crazier and crazier as time okay. goes on. I'm gonna add that to my list. Um, Elise. You're the fucking best. I miss you so I much. You. I can't wait to see you in the city. I love you. I know. Where can people follow you? Where can people listen to you? Where can people watch you? Um, okay, you can follow me on Instagram at Pandalise. That's P-A-N-D-A-L-I-S-E. And then I'm on Twitter. I have a different handle on Twitter. I, it's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm rebelling. Um, it's Elise Navidad. So it's my name and then Navidad, like the beautiful Christmas tune. Um, and then if you want to listen to my podcast, uh, the roast of your teenage self, you can download it on all the apps, 
whatever one you're using to listen to this podcast, it'll be there. And um, Hannah's episode's great. We've got awesome episodes with Steve-O from Jackass, which was like Sick. so crazy. My teenage self would have died. Um, <laughs> really, really good, fun stuff. I love it for you. Well, thank you so much for coming to hell. Thanks for listening, you guys, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.